0: couple of verses into chapter 2. So let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. The first day. And God said, let there be a a vault, an expansion, a separation between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. He called it sky in the evening and the morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas and God saw that it was good then God said verse 11 let the land produce vegetation seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds and it was so the land produced vegetation plants bearing seed according to their kinds and the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night and also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so God made the wild animals, according to their kinds, the livestock, according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock, over the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God created, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Well, over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I gave you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, to all the birds in the sky, to all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. May we pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, may as we encounter this tremendous and vast, an endless passage of scripture. Lord, may you bring out of it to show us what you would have us to see together this morning. Lord, may you show yourself to us through it, Lord, as our creator, as our sustainer, as the beginning and end of everything, the one that you truly feel all in all. Speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Lord, may as in the Beginning verses of this passage, as the Spirit hovered over the waters, may the Spirit just hover over this place today and begin a creative process in hearts and lives of people that are in this place. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Speak to us now through your Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Well, what a a large passage of Scripture as we approach it this morning. Uh, dare to say we cannot draw out everything that we would love to draw out of these passages on a Sunday morning, or even in in one gathering. So I want to. So as I was praying of which direction to go, as I sat down in the past couple of weeks and this week, and all day long yesterday, just trying to get a grasp on God. What do you want to say to us through this passage of Scripture? I I had n- note pages. Full of ideas and where I could go and where I could start and um, what I could could pull out and and what we need and, and and my mind was just like there. Have you ever just like your house like after Christmas is a disaster. Um, and you don't even know where to start or how to begin to to undo the mess uh, that had happened. That, that's kind of how I felt with the scripture. Uh, you know, there's just so much here. God, where do you want us to start? What do you want us to to look at? You could talk about creation and, and evolution. You, you you could talk about uh, you could talk about the purpose of, of of Moses writing this. You could talk about the relation between the, uh, the 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 God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the other gods. And and there, there's just so much, God. What do you want us to say, dude? Can do we just want us to focus on one verse? Do you want us to talk to the whole thing, God? What do you want to say to us today? So I, I began just to give some thoughts to kind of give an overview, and maybe in the next maybe next week we can dive into some more specifics. But I want to give kind of an overview of God's creative acts and look through this passage of Scripture together uh, to see what. God is doing in the, the big picture. Um, we, we, we can narrow in and focus, or we can kind of bring it out a little bit and see the big picture. So what we're going to do today is kind of kind of draw back and see the big picture. I want to show you several things this morning. The first one I want you to see is, number one is God is declared as the creator. God is declared as the creator in Genesis 1.1. As we said our very first week that we looked in Genesis, uh, the Bible does not give a defense for God. Um, it doesn't give an explanation for God. It doesn't give an apologetic for critics about who God is, how God came to being. Prove to me there is a God. Uh, it, it doesn't do any of that uh, in the beginning. Uh, for number one, when, when, when Moses was, was writing this, they had seen God move, so there was no doubt that there was a God. How many of you know that we can argue intellectually about God, and we can argue intellectually, and we can have debates with atheists uh, about the, the creation of the universe and all of this, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, when, when, when you see God undeniably move in your life, the debate is over with you. When you see that only God could have done this in my life, only God could have made this way, only God could, have, I, only, only God, he, he could I encounter like this, then there is no debate So Moses wasn't writing a defense of God. He was just declaring who he is unto them. And that's what the Scripture does. It does not give a defense. It does not give an account. It does not give an apologetic. It just declares this is God. And as we looked at last week, it declares the supremeness of God. How God is the God over all of creation. That God is not a created being. That God is the creator. God is the one that made everything that you've seen as the scripture says. Without him, there was not anything made that was made. It declares God is the creator of all creation. And and as I kind of mentioned in passing last week... one of the main things that we wanted to look at was was kind of the historical setting. There, 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 there's a couple of things that when you look at the book of Genesis and you read and you, you go to interpret the whole book, there's a couple of things you need to look at. Uh, there's a historical setting in which Moses wrote and compiled Uh, the first five books of the Bible. So there's the historical setting of why he did it, who he was writing it for, uh, and the purposes that he had for writing it, and their experiences and all of that uh, combined to form this book of Genesis and and ultimately the Pentateuch. Then there was the historical setting of the events that took place in the book. Uh, So we go back here to the beginning of creation. We, We go to the beginning, when we get to Abraham in chapter 12, we go to the beginning of the Hebrew people and God's covenant people on the earth. Uh, we see God's purposes worked out in both of them uh, for the earth. Uh, but one thing we did mention was in Moses' purpose of writing. He was writing to people, as we said before, that, were in, that had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Uh, Egypt, he, he, here's what happens in Scripture. Uh, they, they were under the Egyptians. They were under Pharaoh. They were taught their gods, uh, they were taught by their magicians and soothsayers, and they grew up with their culture. If you remember the story of 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 Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they were taken in Babylonian captivity. Well, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—that uh, was not their God-given Hebrew names. Charles Laferno, what what was their names? There you go. But we don't call them by that. We don't call them by their Hebrew names. We talked about that this week. That's why I knew he knew that. I just didn't put him on the spot. We uh, he, that was their Hebrew names when they were carried into captivity. The Babylonians changed their names. They taught them a new language. They taught them new customs. What were they? Doing? They were trying to steal the identity of them to make a new identity. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about identity a lot because our world is in an identity crisis today. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we are. And we're trying to be anything but what God has created us to be. And the problem is, is an identity crisis. The problem is the basics and the fundamentals of Genesis chapter 1. That's the fundamentals of, of, that shapes our worldview. And that's what he was doing. That's what Moses was doing in Genesis. He was trying to shape their worldview because they had been in Egyptian bondage, learning their culture, uh, seeing worship of their gods, having the oral tradition of the God of their fathers. But now Moses is giving them a record to change their worldview, to bring it back to this is who God is. And the first thing he establishes is God is creator. He's not a created being. God is the God over all creation. For If you look back in ancient Near East religions, you'll see that they had, it was polytheistic, they had many gods. The stars were a god. The stars guided their lives. The moon was a god. The sun was a god. So, so, so any celestial heavenly being that, that, that was bigger than them, they looked at as a god. So so they worshiped the, the, they had people as gods, and they worshiped the stars as God, and the skies as God, and the trees as God, and all of this, and everything was a God. So Moses is narrowing down, saying, it's not the stars that's the God. There was a God that created the stars. It's not the sun that's a God. There's a God that created the sun. And it tells you the purpose of why he created it. He didn't create the sun and the stars and the moon to be a God, it tells you why he created it so we would not get purpose confused. It says he just put them in there to tell days and times and, and seasons and months and, and years. But he declares God as creator, and an explicit counter to the ancient Near East religions that was surrounding them to show that there were not many gods. So there was one God that was the God over everything. God over everything. What's the next thing we see from from this passage of Scripture in Genesis. Well, the next thing we see is in the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth, but now look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, now the earth was formless and empty. It was void. It was, it was empty. Um, it, was, it was not ordered. It talks about there was darkness over the surface of the deep. My question was, it didn't tell us who created the darkness it just says there was darkness there was the deep empty formless void uh, some writers like to use the term chaotic there, there was no order to it there was no form there was no fashion there was no purpose it was just formless void and empty in a state of chaos and, and and when you get into theology classes they like to argue over uh, you know what happened there the was it uh, already formless and void? Did it become formless and void? There's, there's, there's a lot of different theories that we're not going to get into, but I want you to see what's happening here. That God is declared the creator, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the deep. But it's in the darkness, and it's over the surface of the deep, that we see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. To me, that's just a beautiful picture. To me, it's just a beautiful I I, I kind of have this picture sometimes when, um, when, when, when my kids were little, and, and sometimes even today, but, but really when they were little, especially Abby because she was the first one. And when you have a baby, you know, especially the first one, you're like you're know, really excited. You don't know what to do or anything. And, and, and I remember I, I would go into her room, and she'd be in her crib asleep. And I would just stand over her, and I would look into her crib. And I would just stare at her. I would smile. And in my mind, I was saying, wake up. I want to play. Wake up. I want to throw you up in the air and catch you and rock you because I was excited because, you know, my baby was finally here. So, but I knew if I, if I woke the baby up and it started crying and Lisa would have to feed it, I knew I'd be in trouble. So, so I would make sure Lisa wasn't around and I'd lean over that crib and I'd, I'd poke her and then I'd, I'd, I'd run away. So, like, if she, if she woke up, I wouldn't be anywhere around. But I was just standing over that crib looking at that girl. And and I remember thoughts coming in my mind, you know, who are you going to be? What are you going to do? And just just looking, waiting for her. And then then when she finally woke up, you know, I could could hold her and talk to her and play with her and stare at her. But it was was that moment of, of a father looking over his daughter, looking over his creation, if you will. That God being who he was, looking over. I like to to think of the picture of the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul and he was Saul, the persecutor of Christians. God knew what he was doing. God knew knew that there was going to be a certain day at a certain time that God was going to interrupt Paul's life. And I I believe God was just hovering over Paul, just waiting, just waiting for that right time, just waiting. Okay, Paul, I know you're persecuting Christians, but boy, will you wait to see what I have in store for you? Oh, I know you're doing this, but Paul, you just wait. I'm going to use you to affect thousands of generations and thousands of years. You have no idea, Paul, how I'm getting ready to use you. God hovering over this persecutor. And then at that moment, Paul saw a great light from heaven. A great light from heaven and his life was changed forever. So what you see here is you see God the creator as the spirit of God hovering over the formlessness and the void of the earth. And then we begin to go into creation. So the third thing that we see here is the process of creation. The process of creation. So the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep, and God said, verse number three, God said, that's an announcement. And God said, God made an announcement by his word. Let there be light. That's a commandment, right? So now we see commandment. Let there be light. And there was light. There's the report of what happened. When God commanded, there's the report. And God saw that the light was good. He evaluated it. And he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day. Now he names it. And the darkness he called night. He names it. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. There's the timing, the chronological framework. So what you see is you see this process repeated time after time, again, through the six days of creation. You see that there is an announcement, and God said. God said, "The one who spoke and worlds were framed, God made an announcement. God's in you know, God's in the, the business of speaking and things happening. Speaking and things happening. The Scripture says in Romans, he calls those things that are not as though they were. The Scripture says he declares the end from the beginning. He declares the end from the beginning. God has already declared your end from before you ever got here. Jesus, in three words, it is finished made an announcement on the cross that changed everything else with an announcement. He called Abram, Abraham, he changed his name. He called Jacob, Israel. God speaks and things happen. There's a creative force in God's words. So we see this over and over again in creation. We see the announcement and God said, God expresses his will through the agency of spoken words. Then we see the commandment, the commandment. Let there be, or it's equivalent, whatever it is in the certain verse. Let there be light. Let the waters bring forth. Let, 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 let. Commandment. That's his word in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. That turns disorder into order. Then we see the report. After God commanded, something happened. God commanded, something happened. And we found the report, and it, and it was so, or and so God made, or it's equivalent. Then we see the naming. And he called the light day. He called the darkness night. He begins to name the thing. Then we see the evaluation that he looked at, it, and it was good. It satisfied his purpose. And he looked at it, and I, I like, after all creation is over, he looked at it, and he said, it is very good. It is very good. And then we see the chronological framework. And the, that was the third day. That was the fourth day. That was the fifth day. So that's God's process in creation. Well, let's look a little deeper at, at something else God does in creation. The fourth thing I want you to see is that God brings form and order. God brings form and order. God takes the chaos, God t- takes the things that are, at, that are not ordered, and he brings them into order. So the first thing he says is, day one, light and dark. Separates the light from the dark, the day and the night. Day number two, the sky and the sea. He separates the heavens. The sea, the waters above the firmament, the waters beneath. Then in day three, we see the land and the plants. And what is God doing? God is preparing creation. I believe believe all that God is doing is God is preparing creation for man to enter. He's getting everything in order. Because God doesn't drop somebody in an unfinished work. God always puts you in the midst of a finished work. Everything else in creation was finished, so God created man. He planted a garden eastward in Eden. God planted the garden, got it ready, and dropped Adam and Eve in the midst of a finished work. So, Jesus on the cross, when He died for our salvation, He didn't put us in a halfway salvation, He didn't put us in a barely get by salvation. He, he, he didn't put us in a, maybe one day it'll work out salvation. He didn't put us in a, okay, I went halfway and you got to go the rest of the way salvation. God took a finished work of salvation and he dropped man in a finished work and said, rest. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Rest because your sins have been forgiven. Rest because unrighteousness has been cast away from you. Rest, rest, rest because now you're in my presence with no fear of anything. You can rest in me. He puts you in a finished work. He puts you in a finished work. God does all the work, and we enjoy everything. When, when he took the children of Israel and he put them in the Canaan, he said, there's a land already prepared for you. He says, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. You're going to you're pick grapes from vineyards you didn't plant. He says, you don't have to do anything. I'm going to put you right in the midst of it. I'm going to work. So the day one, two, and three, we see God brings form and order. He takes the darkness, and he brings light to it. He takes the, the emptiness, and he makes sky and sea and land and plants. So he takes nothing And forms this. But see, it's still not completed yet. So there we go to the point number five, that God feels and gives purpose. So if you notice on day one, you have light and dark. And and I remember growing up reading this story. I was like, there was light and darkness, but there was no sun. Because the sun, moon, and stars were not created till day four. So day one, day two, day three, God brings form and order. But on days four, five, and six, he fills and gives purpose to what he does. He fills and gives purpose. So we have light and dark, and I always wondered, you know, sun gives us light. How can there be light without sun? Well, day four, God takes the light and the dark, and he gives purpose to it. With the sun and the moon and the stars. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to govern the night. And then you have the sky and sea. And sky and sea is good, but there's no, there needs to be something going on in it. So he creates the fish for the sea, the birds in the sky. And then you have the land and the plants. Well, the land and the plants are good, but it's not filled. And it doesn't give purpose to the land and the plants. What good is the purpose of the land and the plants if it cannot provide for something? So on day six, we see the animals and mankind created to be placed in the land and the plants. So if you, if you can follow and see in your mind the process, he takes nothing, voidness, emptiness, chaos, and he gives order. And form to it. But with order and form, it's still not completed. So he fills and gives purpose in days four, five, and six. So three things I want us to see from from these points this morning. Number one, here's what I want you to see over on. That God takes our chaos of our lives, which is orderless and formless, and void, and he makes it this word, cosmos. Cosmos. He takes chaos, turns the what is cosmos? Cosmos is the ordered world. It's the ordered world. So he takes darkness and brings light and fills it with the sun and the moon and the stars. So God takes. Seas that are covered in darkness. He separates them. He calls them the sea. He puts fish in them to give them purpose. From chaos to cosmos. He takes something that is out of order and he orders it. He takes the empty and he feels it. He takes the empty and he feels it. God takes the seeker and Reveals himself to the seeker and satisfies the seeker. He takes an empty life that is just lived in vain for itself. As Solomon said, chasing after everything, but chasing after everything leads to vanity. Life is meaningless without somebody to give it meaning, it's empty and needs to be filled. Everybody's searching but not finding. So God takes the seeker and he satisfies him. God takes the chaos of our lives, the, when it's out of order, when it's dark. He translates, he translates us from darkness to the kingdom of light and the kingdom of his dear son. Brings us from darkness to light. It's what God does. And you know how he does it? He does it by the Spirit. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters and he does it by the word. And he said, let there be. So if you want to move from the chaos of life, the void, the darkness of life, and you want to move into, some, into an ordered cosmos to be filled, it's done through God's spirit and it's done through his word. It's done through the spirit and done through his word. And 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 here's what we've done in church. Here's what we've done in church. We've either been drawn toward word, or we've been drawn toward spirit. So you have some churches that, that that it's all spirit, and we come together and we pray and we praise and we have a great time and we feel goosebumps and 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 we do all this stuff, but we don't we're not grounded in the word. So so we we have hours of church and get a good feel but then when we go out into the world we, we're void until we get back in that atmosphere to get filled up again and then you find out you gotta have church every day in order to get satisfied. Or on the other hand you got churches that are all word and they've preached themselves into a spiritual grave. One of I, I forget my message go out all over the world but uh I walked into a church one time, and everybody before me had been Dr. Doctor so-and-so, Dr. Doctor so-and-so, Professor So-and-so, and I'm 21. I don't know nothing, okay? I watch Joel Osteen and preach what he preached on Sunday, okay? I mean, that, that, that's, how I'm, that's how I'm making a living, okay? I know nothing. And I, I, I'm walking into this church, and, and there's Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so, Professor So-and-so that come before me, and I'm like, I can't tell these people nothing, Nothing. I'm like, they they got to be the smartest people in the world. You know, God's got to be all over this place. And it was just like, there was nothing. You can have a, you can know something here, but if you don't take the word and mix it with the spirit, let me tell you, it's just going to be knowledge locked up up here. That word ain't even going to work in your life if it's locked up in here. The spirit is the key to unlocking the word of God in your life, so so you got people that, that 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 could quote you scripture, but couldn't praise God for anything. They didn't know how. Wow, you can't have one without the other. You can't have all spirit without the word. You can't have all word without the spirit. It was never intended that way. If you want creation to come forth, if you want if you want to order chaos and turn it into cosmos if you want to take the empty and feel you have to have the spirit hovering in the word speaking you have to have both and it's very rare that you find a place with both the word and the spirit but it takes both of those to bring about creation if you just had the spirit he'd still be hovering over the waters if you just had the word, you wouldn't have, you, 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 would, you would have a talk, but you wouldn't have something to bring about the action. So you had to have both the word and the spirit. From empty to filled, and then from announcement to pronouncement. Announcement, and God said, that was the announcement. Then you had the pronouncement at the end, and it was good. And it was Good, the scripture I quoted earlier. He calls those things that's announcement. He calls those things that be not as though they were. He gives it a different identity, a pronouncement. I love this. I, I, I was I, I almost preached this today, but then I I didn't. When the Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, Jesus looked at John the Baptist. He said. Let us now do this because it is time to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus made that announcement. Let us now do this because it's time for us to fulfill all righteousness. So he was baptized in the water. There we, we see the report. Then we see the heavens open. And the Spirit descending like a dove, just like in creation. And a voice came from heaven, the same voice that spoke in Genesis 1:1, came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, the announcement, in whom I am well pleased. The Father. Open heaven, the Spirit descended upon Jesus, and the Father said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. He looked at his creation. He looked at his Son, not creation. You know what I mean. I'm just trying to draw a parallel. He looked at his Son and he said, It is very good. It is good. It is good. When God looks at your life, in my life, He looks over your life. And he makes a declaration. He says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Jesus cried, it is finished. That's the announcement. And the pronouncement is because of it is finished, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God takes chaos, empty, void, dark, disorderly, and he turns it into cosmos. And God can take the chaos of your life. And order it through his word and through his spirit. He will take you here that's empty today. That God's created you to be filled with his goodness. There's a scripture in Isaiah that says he did not create the world to be formless and void. He created it to be inhabited. He created you not to be void and empty either. He created you that you might be filled with his life to abundance. He created you for that purpose. God didn't create anything that he did not fill and have a purpose for. Let me tell you, God didn't give you an outer shell called a body for you to live without purpose and without light, being empty and void. God gave you your body, he gave you your life, that he can fill it with every good thing. And he does it through his process, through his announcement. It is finished. And by the work of Jesus in our lives, he declares you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He declares you are good. Let us stand together this morning.